Hello and welcome to SDP Talk, a series of conversations with politicians, academics, authors and public intellectuals. I'm William Clouston, leader of the Social Democratic Party. Today my guest is Peter Hitchens, the journalist, author and broadcaster. In this episode, Peter and I talk about the state of social conservatism in Britain, its relationship to social democracy, and whether social conservatives should bother with political parties. Enjoy the show. So I'm going to kick off with the first question. Um, Peter, what is social conservatism and why is it important? It's trying to tell the difference between change and progress. It's trying to see if changes which are proposed uh, will be for the better. It's looking out for unintended consequences. Uh, it's also being able to discriminate uh, between things which are worth opposing and things which are not worth opposing and concentrating on those which are worth the trouble. It's not, it doesn't have a strong, uh, positive, uh, utopian side to it. It simply can't do. It assumes that we live in a fallen world in which people will make mistakes, but uh, things will be better if they don't. Mm. And it reserves uh, all the possibilities of, of, of improvement to the self, I think. We, we, we're not concerned with trying to improve other people, though we may be concerned with saving them from oppression or misdirection. Uh, where if it's to do with improvement, we, we stick to trying to improve our faulty selves in private matters rather than messing around with other people's lives. That would be my summary. Yeah, I mean, certainly when I've thought about it, I think there are two quotes which I lean on in particular. The first uh, is the Scruton quote, which is that anyone at home in the world or happy in the world, uh, the impulse is to hold on to what you, you love. And I think that's a, a fundamentally conservative principle. Uh, and the other one is the famous uh, Michael Oakeshott quote about um, just preferring the familiar, really, and the known rather than the unknown. Yeah. And I think what comes from that is a scepticism of, of utopias. And if you, obviously throughout history, we've been plagued by various utopias and utopians trying to force uh, their ideas on us. Would you, would you think that's a fair appraisal? Well, completely. As a former utopian myself and as someone who spent a rather disproportionate part of his life in failed utopias, I have quite strong opinions about utopia and its general undesirability. Mm. It can only be approached, as I often say, across a sea of blood and you mm. never arrive. Mm. And so anything which, which tries to stand in the way of utopian projects or to argue people out of them has to be good. Yeah, I think the other thing that I, I look to in this is that the... I mean, there's a sort of reactive side to social conservatism. Uh, if you look at, I like John Gray a lot, and um, he talks a lot about the, the project, and you can, you can hang lots of labels to it. There's lots of ways of looking at it. But basically, it's a, a sort of liberal left project, I guess, a progressive project um, of deconstruction. And it's been going on for a long, long time. It goes all the way back. And uh, it's unclear to me I mean, it's clear that they want to deconstruct things. I mean, they, you know, there's a project to deconstruct religion and its attachment in society, the nation state, uh, the family. The most recent uh, onslaught has been to try and deconstruct the idea of sort of biologically based sex. Um, and in among all this, it's, it's, it's unclear to, to, to where the destination is, but you, you're forced to sort of react to the project of deconstruction. Do you think that's a fair? Way of looking at it? I put it differently. I think that it's a response to the collapse in the Western world, which was formed by it, of the Christian idea 
and people searching for something else. And almost all uh, political thought is a religious heresy of some kind or another. And I tend, I looks, when I wrote my first book, The Abolition of Britain, back in 1999, I looked quite hard in all the areas of life I examined for some sort of common thread, as if there was somewhere some uniting impulse which had driven all these changes. And I found there was no such thing. It was in almost all cases an absence, mm. collapse of previous ideas, an attempt, often by well-intentioned people, to mm. substitute uh, for what had been collapsed. I, don't, I, I try very hard not to hate my opponents or even to dislike them. I just try to, to oppose them and disagree with them, which is not a favor I have to say that gets returned very much, but it, it seems to be <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you won't get anywhere yeah. uh, unless you attempt to understand sympathetically what it is that your opponents are after and what it is that's driving them. I think the, the howling lack uh, of, the, of, of the Christian idea in, in the human mind it, it has left room for all kinds of things to come in, which often appear well-intentioned, but yeah. which are not. Yeah, it's interesting. I know I certainly agree with you. I think you should read, I um, mean, it's incumbent on you if you want to understand your own case, obviously Pace Mill to, to, to understand your opponents. That's basic. And I've, I think, I know you as a former Trotskyist have gone on a journey and change, you know, changing your mind is um, an important thing to do. It's surprising how few people are prepared to do it. Actually, I've changed mine a few times about key issues and, and often as a result of reading against my position. Um, the people don't want to do it because it loses them friends and it can lose them their entire way of life and people don't mm. actually apprehend this uh, completely mm. but they're vaguely aware of it mm. as they as they come from time to time across things which disturb them and rather than pursue those things they hold back they have a strong sense of disaster will follow if they change their minds. That's why people don't do it. I, I think I understand that. It's pity, but it's true. Yeah, I think they, they also try and uh, create a structure, don't they, of, of ideas, uh, and it, which ends up being a sort of impenetrable wall. And uh, they're scared, actually, of, of, of ideas coming into that and breaching that wall. Um, quite often, I think, as you've said, uh, because they deep down they lack confidence in their own positions, which is odd. I mean, I, I uh, you know, I was brought up uh, in a Christian family. I'm not, I'm a, I attend church, but I'm not a believer. I, I don't think I can be a believer, but uh, certainly I, I'm sort of with John Gray in, in, in thinking that as a basic, um, as a basic idea, the Christian idea of the fall is simply a better description of, of, of where we are, what we are than any sort of utopian sort of Rousseau-type idea of perfection? Well, it's a warning of imperfection, uh, an important metaphor about imperfection and about our inability to attain perfection, which more people should heed. Mm. But it goes with another thing, I'm, which, is, which is one of the, the ideas very much overthrown by the encyclopedists in the French Revolution, the idea that man was made in the image of God and is therefore unalterable. Almost all utopian projects set out to change man, to, to create, to begin the world over again. Uh, mm. In the case of the Soviet Union, we were going to get Homo Sovieticus. Mm. Uh, but we didn't. We just got a, 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 a terribly subjugated and, uh, and restricted and, and, and miserable form of human life in which mm. so much human possibility was prevented. 
But mm. that is the ultimate division. I think that the battle we're now fighting is very much a return uh, to the French Revolution and the Jacobins. I think the, the Bolshevik period, even the period of, uh, of, of social democracy as it was uh, a much more Marxist thing than it is now in the, in the 19th century, particularly the German social democracy at the time, that's mm. now an aberration. Mm. Uh, all the, the economic and class aspects of it uh, have sunk and fallen away, leaving behind the social and moral radicalism with which it began. And the astonishing aspect of the French Revolution, which they don't tell you much about when you first learn about it, if anybody learns about it at all anymore, which is the, the fanatical de-Christianization of the country, which Fouché yeah. embarked on. That's a very, very deliberate thing which they did. Uh, a conscious uh, destruction of a, of a rival idea. They knew what they hated. Yes. They weren't too, uh, too clear about how they were going to construct paradise there. No, but that's, that's not really the point. They knew what the enemy was, and they knew that they, that they had to overcome it if they were going to get anywhere. And what's been quite interesting in, in the past 15, 20 years, so it's been the revival on the left of this sort of militant anti-theism. Mm. Uh, you, will, you will certainly find uh, atheists who are not revolutionaries, but you will very, very rarely find a revolutionary who isn't an atheist. Yeah, that's a good point. An interesting observation. Um, I, I mean, I certainly see in the iconoclasm and the events in the streets, uh, this has echoes of every revolution, every previous revolution. Although, I, I mean, uh, and I saw the pictures of you next to the roads thing. It seemed a pretty calm revolution <laughs> in Oxford anyway. But uh, it's, as you say, I think you've said that it's a sort of establishment thing. Um, the, can I just move on? The, the, one of the interesting ideas, it's always uh, it's puzzled me, and it's obviously you've written about it a lot, is how... Um, how is it the case that we, uh, I mean, there are social conservatives, social conservatives exist throughout the country and indeed a sort of moderate mainstream type of social conservatism probably is the mainstream majority just about still. Um, how, what explains the failure in the UK and other countries, but here of, of, of social conservatives to convene a political project that's worth the name? I think the main explanation of the failure of almost all serious political projects in this country is tribalism, uh, which has been based certainly until very recently on the old class system, which arose out of the Industrial Revolution, which itself has echoes of a previous division in the country, which might go back, if you like, to the Civil War, or even further to, to, to the Norman invasion and the Norman-Saxon division in, oh, in, yeah. in language and class, which I think is still quite important. You know, there's a wonderful, wonderful uh, Kipling poem, Norman and Saxon, in which the, the differences between the two are explored. They're still very evident. You can also find them in Conan Doyle's uh, great historical romances, uh, Sir Nigel and the White Company, where there's still long after the Norman invasion, the, the Saxon resentment of the Normans still takes a form very similar to, to what is now uh, class conflict. And I think the problem is that, that tribalism takes over at general elections. People want their tribe to win and they want the other tribe to lose. And they will throw over almost any good idea uh, rather than risk their tribalism. And my particular example of this has to be in 2010 when the electorate were actually asked to approve what was effectively a Blairite takeover of the Conservative Party uh, mm -hmm. by a man indistinguishable from somebody who almost everybody hated. Uh, and yet, you could not persuade 
in the many years I tried to do so, I, I started trying to do this in 2003. I looked it up the other day. I went to how long mm. ago it was. You could not. I had seven years of hard work as a national newspaper columnist saying to my readers, look, for goodness sake, and don't encourage this, don't endorse, don't ratify this taker of the Conservative Party by Blairism. What you must do if you want any progress at all is mm. to ensure it fails. And for that, you have to do the, the, the thing which doesn't seem natural. The old-fashioned the old point that was often made to me about cars, if your radiator is, is uh, if, if your radiator is overheating, turn up the heat in the car, because that will cool it down. It's, it's, counter, it's counterintuitive. And yeah, if you wanted conservatism in 2010, you weren't going to get it because there were no conservative politicians standing for office. If you wanted conservative in 2010, what you had to do was to destroy the conservative party. And people were simply not interested in it. And I got the most freezing treatment. I remember speaking at a meeting of the Bruges group, for heaven's sake, in mm. Manchester, I think 2009. And I made this yeah. point. Mm. And I came at that point to believe in global cooling. And the temperature yeah. of the room dropped by about 15 degrees Fahrenheit. It was. Um, People looked at me in horror and amazement that I should suggest that they would not vote for a conservative uh, government led by David Cameron. Within yeah. two years, I was getting letters of apology from people who'd been in that room, but they wouldn't listen at the time because they were so concerned. We've got to get Gordon Brown out. That was what they said. But it's always people to, do this all the time. It's approximate. They're looking at approximate situation instead of looking at anything. Strategic. No, it's not even that. It's not, it's not even that. People do not vote with their minds. They vote with their instincts and they, and they vote with their tribe. Do you and not? They, it's not that. I, you, I, I challenge people to come up with any instance of any person elected, a, a genuine independent elected to, to, to the British Parliament as a general election. Do you think that the. I mean, perhaps. Isn't, isn't they always say Martin Bell, and I have to point out well, that, 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 that the Liberal Democrats and the Labour Party withdrew to let him in. It's, it, he wasn't yeah. independent. That's a bit of a stitch up. No, don't you think there are flickers though, of things breaking down on class voting in the last election, uh, in, you know, in December, last December, where people talk about the Red Wall, and we're certainly very interested in it, because we, we think as a political party we're sort of on top of it politically. But... Um, you know, I think in 2017, the number of working class people that voted Labour and Conservatives, they were equal, basically, and the Conservatives now get slightly more working class voters. So things do change a little bit. But I just wonder, uh, it might be a second order thing, but I wonder whether the cause of a failure to convene social conservatism anywhere is, is, is basically that the British, uh, and I would say this as an SDP man, the, the system is, is rigged and, and clapped out because it's, it's, it's two-party politics. And you can't, you know, your only chance is, you, the, your whole access to things is, 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 is gate-kept by the two selection processes. Well, it's true that it's gate-kept. It's true that it's gate-kept, but the, the problem is not the, the two-party system. I'm in favor of the two-party system. I, 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 would get, I would die in a ditch the two-party system because mm. it's an essential part. Richard Neville, you may remember Oz magazine from the 60s. I so a very clever well. thing. Yeah. He said, there is an inch of difference between the Labour Party and the Conservative Party, but it is in that inch that we all live. It's because yeah. there is an adversarial system, because each party is capable at no notice at all of replacing the other with a government, which is different, mm -hmm. uh, that we actually have freedom. 
and I, I value freedom much more highly than I value democracy, I have to tell you, but, and, and I've always thought the adversarial system along with jury trial was, was a vital part of it. And now what's gone wrong is that the two parties have ossified. They've, been, they've ossified partly because they've been allowed quite wrongly to be subsidized with public money and also because fundraising has permitted dodgy billionaires pretty much to, to keep oh. them alive when they would otherwise have died. If those things were withdrawn and you held a flag day for either the Labour Party or the Conservative Party, nobody would give any money at all. Nobody likes them. They're, they're artificially sustained. Uh, uh, what I thought and still think was that in 2010 we had an opportunity to get rid of the Conservative Party and replace it with something else. Uh, but I accepted throughout all of that that the two-party system would survive it. What I wanted was for one of the parties at least to be different. Yeah, I take, I take that point, but I think... So I don't, I, of course it's true. That once members of parliament are not selected by the electorate, they're selected by, by party cliques. But that, that, that's obvious to anybody really who thinks about it, which most yeah, they're, people... They're, 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 you're going to get a coalition anyway. I mean, you're, what you're really deciding is whether to do your coalition first in the form of these great big establishment yeah. or do it later. I mean, my only point about that, Peter, is that if, I mean, the Brexit vote was very interesting because apart from the dear old DUP, there was no, UKIP couldn't get into the Commons. Um, apart from the DUP, you had no political party in there that had a platform of, you know, withdrawing from the European Union, yeah. although that turned out to be the mainstream position. And it was one of these situations where there was a clear misalignment really between a public view and the view, uh, the gate kept view, if you like, yes. of the political parties. So I think was, was the mainstream position actually the position of the faction which, which took over the Leave campaign and which won the election? Did, did, were people actually voting uh, mm. for, you know, for a diet of chlorine washed chicken and total free trade and all the other thrilling things with which we're, which we're enticed and, uh, and, and beguiled that will begin on December the 31st? <laughs> I don't think they were. I think there was a that the the people who voted for it were particularly the the, the, the Labour supporting people who voted for it had completely different things in mind, and won't get them. Uh, so maybe I think the we, we have to understand. You'll know this because you you would have been there because you're from the northeast. But the I think Dominic Cummings' model for what happened was the referendum over regional government in the northeast, which yes. he was one of those who helped to overthrow by by you were involved, presumably. Yeah. No, uh, we never an appetite. I mean, the problem with that. Well, was the, the clever thing that the clever thing that they did, like, it was to go, as, as I understand, it, they went to the Conservative and Unionist Party in the Northeast and said, "For goodness' sake, stay out of this. We can we can win this vote, provided it has nothing to do with you." And so they did. They did, and I I I, I think that's right. But I think the reason, the fundamental reason it failed was because it was seen as an imposition, and the the two counties in Northumberland and Durham are the thing that people have an, an a, a historical attachment to. And this this is it's um, true. But if it had been if it had been if they'd been able to to portray it as a clash between Labour and the Tories, hmm. and if the Labour side had been the regional government, and the Tory side had been no regional government, then I promise sure. you, that yeah. the regional government would have won. And it was yeah, attaching other, it from the party that made it possible. But Peter, on the other side, certainly the argument for it was Prescott and was Labour Party. It was just that people didn't listen to it, which is good. Um, I want to move on. Just, just one thing that uh, obviously we have a system which is, is right and left, and that's the, that's the axis that we work on. And it's, to some extent, that's the way people think. Um, and certainly as an advocate of a political project, which is... I guess crudely you'd say it was a sort of red and blue mix, which is where I think probably a majority of people actually are. Um, 
sometimes I have to explain, try and explain, because we defend social conservatism uh, as an idea and it's in our, our program, I guess. Um, but people often are puzzled why that fits with being a social democrat. And so I, I, I'll, I'll kick off by asking you, um, can a social conservative be a social democrat? I used to think not. Uh, in fact, in my book, The Cameron Delusion, I said that, that I'd given up uh, social democracy after an attempt to stick with it, the sort of mm. Arthur Kersler uh, bridge uh, from, from Marxism to social democracy. But I've come round uh, to, uh, it's the best way of describing it. The problem with it, the, the label this, in, in this country is, is mixed up with David Owen's party and on the continent it's mixed up, particularly with the, with, with the German SPD. But it, uh, if, if you simply mean that one of your principal concerns is the welfare of people, uh, then what is described as social democracy, the existence of a strong and reliable but fair welfare state, which looks after the, the deserving and is not particularly keen on the undeserving, uh, is an essential part of any important uh, political view which starts uh, with the welfare of the, of the people whom you would serve if you were in government. It has to be. Cannot mm. not. Anybody who ignores that's A, stupid and be wrong. So it's the best way of explaining that, that it is important. I'm not, I, I, if it comes to nationalization, I'd nationalize the railways tomorrow uh, and a number of other things, but not everything. If it comes to the National Health Service, I'd certainly have a different form of NHS than the one that we have because the one that we have doesn't seem to me to be the envy of the world, but I'm not against having a publicly funded health service and generally free at the point of use. It seems to me to be a good idea. but. Uh, on the other hand, I'm also for strong defence uh, yeah. and for for national sovereignty uh, mm. and for a, a, another vitally important thing, which does rub up against social democracy. And I think people like Evan Durbin realised this back in the, the days when Labour still had thinkers, uh, mm. which is there are two things I'm very keen on. One is uh, is the freedom of the of, of the subject, uh, and the other, of course, is the the autonomy of the married family and the privacy of, uh, of private life. And I think there is a tendency, which still frightens me, of mm -hmm. a social democratic welfare state becoming too uh, interfering, uh, too, uh, yeah. too powerful to tolerate the rivalry, particularly of the family, and also too unwilling to, um, also too convinced of its own goodness to be able to, to, yes. to tolerate genuine freedom. Yeah, and, I get perhaps too utopian to, to be to be entirely uh, trusted with the with the justice system. Well, there's a lot in there. I, I mean, just to, to, to sort of respond, I think um, I think the, the thing that strikes me is the sheer incompatibility with uh, social conservatism with, say, the program of the so the, of the Conservative Party. I mean, it, you know, li free market liberal economics simply does not it's not a good fit to this, and it can never be. And I, I, I just I scratch my head and I wonder how anyone could ever have put a, I know they've won successive elections, uh, pretending to be social conservatives or pretending to be concerned with the family. But actually, if you look at real policies, as you say, on things like public transport or on housing, actually a reasonably paternalistic social democratic state, I would say it doesn't even, it's not, it's not that it just is quite a good fit. I would say it's actually a prerequisite. It's preconditioned. But, but these, these people are, are economic uh, and social liberals posing yeah. 
as conservatives, which they're not. And yet, so for mainly for tribal reasons, people refuse to see through that. Yeah, so it does seem to me to be the, the famous knocking over the red wall in the last election. I thought, well, it's all very well, you, 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 you throwing over a party which has thoroughly betrayed you for the past 30 or 40 years. Well done. Um, mm -hmm. Why have you then switched your votes to another party which will betray you the second it gets the chance? I've no doubt, absolutely no doubt whatsoever, and I know many of the people involved, and I know the voters, the, the red wall voters, and some of the red wall Tory MPs will be totally let down by the Conservative Party because they don't believe in it. They, uh, and a lot of the, there's a lot of tokenism. You see it, the ridiculous spectacle. Um, actually, we're meant to stay on ideas, but the spectacle of, 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 of Boris Johnson talking about the, the New Deal and debasing that idea with five billion. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They will, there's no doubt at all, like many other people, they will be completely let down. Um, but it's both sides. I mean, the curious thing is, there's nothing, the Labour tradition, certainly in the Northeast uh, and the Heartlands, was very socially conservative tradition. There's nothing, Obviously, yeah. and, and people, and I, I do, I kick back when people say, well, you know, being socially conservative is a thing of the right. Is it? I mean, it never was. I mean, it really wasn't. And, um, and I, but again, the, if you actually look at the, the policies, the ideas that the modern Labour Party um, advance, they're completely incompatible. I mean, open borders and mass immigration, very large scale immigration, is is it's completely in, incompatible with the idea of but, it's, uh, but the Labour Party is a, is a party of, of, of urban bourgeois bohemians uh, and it, that, that's that that's who it that, that's who it serves that's that's who provides its its mm. its staff and its civil service and most of its members of parliament and they they don't it's not a working class party at all anymore they, I again in two of my books in the 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 the, the um, brief history of crime uh, and in the, um, my book about drugs, the war we never fought, I point out things which astonish people now. Mm. Uh, this I owe to Neil Clark, actually, that the, um, the, several members of the Labour cabinet in 1948 voted for the, uh, for the retention of capital punishment. Oh, yeah. You can't, that... you can't imagine a Labour frontbencher taking that position now, or, or even a, a backbencher. Are completely gone. Two of the doughtiest opponents of, of abortion law reform in the in the middle sixties were the Mann brothers from Merseyside, mm -hmm. Labour MPs, uh, and the the great divide in the Labour cabinet in uh, nineteen seventy over whether to to weaken the laws, particularly on marijuana, uh, mm -hmm. came between the Oxbridge educated intellectuals and the working class members of the cabinet. Wilson, of course, managed to vote on both sides as he so often <laughs> did, but it, it was. That was, the split. that was the split when the cabinet met to consider the, what later on became the 71 Misuse of Drugs Act, which incidentally is, as far as I know, the only act of parliament ever to be put before the House of Commons in identical terms by both major political parties. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. No, there's Weird. a lot of that. I, 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 they must I, have been on something. Maybe they were. Maybe that explains a lot. Um, can I just move? I, you mentioned your... Um, your support for railway uh, nationalisation. It's, it's always been the uh, Social Democratic Party's policy. And it's something I think on our website, we have a train at the, at the, on the landing page. And um, it's something we've always, why, we've always fought for. Why, why, why are you supportive of it? Well, it's rational. And there are some things which are, which are public goods, which will never be commercial goods. Uh, you, you would not be able to create an effective public transport system serving a whole country uh, on any other basis than the, the 
than subsidy and state control. It, can, it can't be done. If you try to do it in other, in other ways, it, it, it fails. Large parts of the country will be left unserved. Uh, the, the fares would make it intolerable and would only increase the, the use of, of, of motor cars, uh, which is a social, as far as I can say, a social bad. I, I have a, a very a strong passion. I hate the motor car. I wish it had never been invented. I think it's been a disaster for civilization. One can have a lot of fun imagining a civilization in which the motor car had not been invented and we continued along other paths. I think it would be much nicer than the one we have. It's not an essential, but if you constantly destroy your public transport system and make it impossible for it to operate and make it too expensive to use, then cars are what you will get. And I think it's, it's bad. The, the, the railways, for goodness sake, were invented in our landscape to suit our landscape, and they do so. They, do, they, they don't destroy beauty and they don't destroy peace. Uh, also, they, aren't, they don't churn out filth in the way that cars do. And I, it's a great pity. And I think anybody who's seriously concerned with the well, well-being of this country should yeah. be in favor of really good public transport. And yeah, for that, you have to have nationalization. Totally agree. And, the, and I think it was one of the silliest privatizations that you'll ever see. I mean, one of, one of the silliest ideas where the state does all the heavy lifting does the major responsibility. Oh, yeah, the, the, the major privatization was, was moronic. I mean, my colleague at, on the Daily Express at the time when the hearings were going on, Jim Davis used to come home from, from uh, come back to the office after these, after these hearings where the, 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 the companies lobbying for privatized railway were giving their evidence. He, he said, I can't, I can't believe some of the things these people say. They obviously have never been on a train in their lives. They, they don't even want complete that. cluelessness. It was unbelievable. They don't even want the franchises now. They can't, and the state will have to come in. But it's very well. I mean, it's all it's, changed now because of the 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 the, 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 the prime minister's ratnerization of the railways, and basically telling people not to go by train ever again because they'll die, uh, has true. not has not has not exactly improved railway um, the railway's financial position. And also, uh, they have pretty much had to take over the railways in the worst possible form again. Uh, a nationalization of direct government control with no expert body doing the actual running of it. Yeah, it's strange. I, whereas you leave uh, Newcastle, I, I'm not doing it now for obvious reasons, but as you leave Newcastle Central Station, you go down to London, uh, on, your, or on your left quite often there's a, a Deutsche Bahn locomotive plonk there. A Deutsche oh, yeah. Bahn, like Trenitalia and SNCF and the other, the Dutch railway system, um, run some of the franchises and some of the local rail. And it's, it's odd because the Tories, it's not that they uh, don't believe in, in the state running railways. They just don't believe in our state doing it. Really strange. And it's strange because behind that uh, locomotive is, is Stevenson's engine yards, boiler yeah. shop, which made the first trains. And I, it just disappoints me that the, like in so many areas, the, the Tory indifference, the Conservatives indifference to something that should be important. We've argued that you could have a good system. It could be an emblem of, British engineering and, and, and pride, but instead it's indifference and it's chopped up. And, and yet, and they, at the same time, they, as Simon Jenkins points out, they nationalized local government. And they've also done this very peculiar thing, particularly with secondary schools and now moving on to primaries, the academy system, which mm. is uh, effectively a nationalization of, of state schooling, yet without any state control. So yes. they, these mysterious, well, uh, well, mysterious, mysterious companies move in to run your child's school uh, with no visible accountability. Have you ever tried uh, getting any information out of the government about the academy system? You can't. There isn't, there isn't anybody. It, it's, it's, complete, uh, it's, it's a complete secret garden. And it, it's, it, 
in my view, it doesn't work. But it, it's um, but it is actually a form of nationalisation. The the financing of schools now comes uh, increasingly from a central government office. Well, they've never trusted. I mean, no one even no one, no one even remarks on it. It's amazing. No. Yeah, but we've never had proper local government here. I mean, I'm, I chair a parish council here uh, in Corbridge, and I think it's one of the few areas where we can actually decide things locally, but that's, that's a, a separate thing. Well, the, four, the 474, there was something approaching local government in this country, and it, it was often quite effective, and it was also quite cheap. It had mm. town clerks instead of chief executives and clever things called county boroughs where, where powers are all in one place. And as I recall, it worked quite well, and it was replaced with this monster, which has never, never worked, and it's increasingly been, been run more by national directive. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been a loss, and it's one of the ways in which the country has got noticeably worse for no good reason, mm-hmm. of which there are, I have to say, so many. So my sort of final question, what should our reaction to the, the, the sort of present chaos be? Because I, I obviously, I think recently your reaction, having argued many, many, for many years that this is a sort of political program, uh, you don't believe that anymore, is that right? That's right. I will take up individual issues. Uh, I will fight as long as I can against, for instance, the legalization of marijuana, because I think it's a, dis- a preventable disaster which, uh, which human action can, can prevent. And uh, I, would be, I would be irresponsible if I, if I didn't do my utmost to try to stop it. Uh, I will fight with every fibre of my being for the restoration of academic selection in state secondary schools, because I believe it to be much fairer. Uh, than the current system of selection by wealth, uh, which is both deeply uh, unfair on the, on the children of the poor and also uh, creates very bad schools. Uh, so those are two things which I, which I will do. But in terms of any kind of attempt directly to intervene in party politics or parliamentary politics, it, I, I will not do it ever again. It only makes me unhappy. I tried yeah. very hard during, as we discussed earlier, that period between about 2003 and 2010, uh, when I tried to to get rid of the Conservative. I look, the Conservative Party were your were your bicycle or your car. It would be in a heat by the road, emitting clouds of steam and smoke. If the Conservative Party were your were your accountant, you'd be bankrupt. And if the Conservative Party were your refrigerator, all your food would go bad. Why does it continue? If it were your lawyer, you'd be in prison. Why does it continue to, 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 to attract any support? But I tried and tried. I, I argued and argued. I argued individually with readers in, in, in long correspondences. I argued in my column, on my blog. I argued in, in, in broadcast circumstances. I said, please, please don't do this. And at the end of it, nobody paid the slightest attention. And I thought, well, that's it then. I, 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 I've done what I can and it didn't work. So I, I, I've got a life to lead. I'm not going to waste yeah, any no, time or happiness on this. I think that's, and you're in good company because there's nothing new under the sun. And Epicurus uh, in 300 BC thought, well, let's not bother with politics in Athens and I'll, I'll have my garden out on the Dipolon Gate. And, uh, and actually in many ways, on a personal level, that's probably a very wise thing to do. But the thing is that in... I, I, I mean, it's like Morris Glasgow's Blue Labour project. It has, it has no prospect whatsoever of getting, you know, the levers of what Labour do. They're at the back of the bus shouting and they'll never be the driver. And I've argued that the only rational thing, and I think it will take time, we're not stupid, uh, the, it will take time, but I think the only rational thing is to build a, an actual political institution because uh, everyone says, well, what should we do? And some people say, well, we should start a website or we should start a think tank, yet another think tank, or we should write a book, or whatever. And I, I, my argument is no, what you need is to convene a political institution that believes in this stuff. And I, when I wrote the new declaration, it was to say, well, look, 
if you if you agree with this, join. And if you don't, for heaven's sake, don't. You know, let's see what. Yeah, but do. there are several things about that. And one is, don't mistake a train set for railway. A train set is fine. Made that point, yes. But they're not railways, and the the, the existence of an organisation is one. Well, the other problem you have to always be aware of is Kissinger's law. The, no. the, small, the smaller the stakes, the more vituperative the quarrels. Uh, so any small organisation is terribly vulnerable to faction fighting. It is. Uh, and and the, the, other, the, other, the other point is, 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 is this. Um, there, are, there are two things uh, which I stick by. Uh, one of them is uh, telling the truth is a virtue in itself. It doesn't, it doesn't need... Uh, to have any immediate or obvious impact. It doesn't need to do any immediate good. It is by itself worth oh, doing. Itself, yeah. And that, uh, that is something to which we're all called, which you probably are freer to do than most. And, and therefore that goes with the other thing. What we do here matters somewhere else uh, in another place and quite possibly at another time. That can justify quite a lot of actions which seem to be purposeless. The other thing is, when I say to people, when they say, what should I do? And I say, well, leave and they, they, they either laugh or ask me stupidly where they should go, uh, or they, um, to which my reply is, if you have to ask me, you won't make it, mate. you're too wet. Uh, but the, 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 the other point is this, if I'm wrong about it being hopeless, which I might be, then maybe my refusal to have anything to do it will infuriate somebody very valuable into, into joining the struggle and, and will have the consequence of creating the very sort of opposition which I think is impossible. But I myself, I will not do it anymore. No, I accept that. I think, and Where the sun, the sun stands now, I will fight no more forever. I hope you enjoyed this episode of SDP Talks, a series of conversations with politicians, academics, authors and public intellectuals. If you'd like to be updated when new episodes of STP Talks go live, make sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're interested in learning more about the Social Democratic Party, do make sure to head over to our website at stp.org.uk. Thanks for listening.